0: insightful, informative, irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money.
1: i Black. Joining me right now, CFP, Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, how are you? Doing well, how are you? Doing well. Let's talk about potential ways to plan for long-term care that you might need during retirement. And this is, you know, obviously a personal issue for me and probably a personal issue for a lot of our listeners as, for instance, my mother has used long-term care numerous times now. Um, she's an older woman and she needs more and more care, it seems.
2: Yeah. Well, and here's what I'm talking about. Again, It seems like every couple of years I see a really rapid case of okay. dementia or Alzheimer's. So the first time I saw this happen, Alzheimer's is usually kind of a slow, you know, you can see it coming for several years. And I've seen two cases where I, you know, picked up the phone, started talking to a client and I said, you know, how was your weekend? And He's talking about how he was mining up in the hills of some South Dakota, whatever, and they just making absolutely no sense. And you're like, okay, something's wrong here. Um, some other kind of similar situation last month. So I had Nicole, one of our CFPs, write a blog on uh, long-term care. And so it'll be up here shortly. Newfocusfinancial.com, but it's ba- the three basic ways to plan for long-term care. And here's the deal, when I mean, you go in, to retirement thinking that, well, you got Medicaid, or you got Medicare rather, and you're going to be okay. And that's not the case because you have all these other supplemental insurance to deal with the copays and the doctor visits and things like that that we talk about all the time. And what it doesn't really cover is if you have a long-term disability when you're older. Your grandma goes in for Alzheimer's, grandpa falls and breaks his hip, goes in, and it's, it's tough. So, the average annual cost of home care in California if you want somebody to come to your house and take care of you is $52,000 a year right now. Most Americans that are turning 65 are underprepared for retirement just for their own standard of living, let alone trying to come up with 52 grand a year to pay for somebody to come to your house and cook for you and clean and help you get in and out of bed. So if you go to a semi-private nursing home room, those could be around eighty six thousand dollars a year, based on current numbers. So people need to think about this as they go into retirement and say, "Okay, what am I going to do?" And then there's three basic options, and uh, so we can talk about that.
1: You know, when I was in college, I was able to pay like five to ten dollars to have a sorority girl come tuck me into bed and read me a good night story.
2: I wasn't a sorority girl, Rob.
1: <laughs> no, she really was. No, she was And she, she came <laughs> was with it, a buddy. Tall to-
2: girl sorority. Is that no, that, no, that no,
1: no, <laughs> no, no, don't go there, don't go there, it's actually a true story, Um, it's just a, a fundraiser, so to speak. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, That's, is that how they sold it? Don't, good God, man, <laughs> seriously. Which college is this again? Seriously, what's wrong with you? <laughs> hey, you in um, there first. No, it's just telling a story about like, long-term care, you know, you said have someone come and take care of you. Right. That's where that got – okay. So let's, go t- let's talk self-insuring. What do we need to know? We're running out of time.
2: Well, this is how most people think that they're going to do it, is self-insure. And then they get to that point in life and they realize that, okay, if I do self-insure and let's say I'm, I'm having somebody come take care of my spouse or my spouse is in the nursing home, if you self-insure, the person that's living at home that's healthy runs out of money. And so they go to option number two, which is have the government pay, and that's Medicaid. And in California, it's called Medi-Cal. Basically, to get on this, you have to spend down your assets to about $2,000. Now, there are spousal impoverishment laws so that you can work with an attorney and you can legally, shifting assets isn't the right word, but you can legally get some assets um, protected for the well spouse living at home. But Medi-Cal will come in and recover their costs at the spouse's second death. And when people try to give away money and get on Medi-Cal, um, there, there could be some legal prosecution from that if if you're actually trying to hide assets. So having the government pay means you basically have gone into poverty or you're on a very restricted income that you've done some Medicaid or medi planning with an attorney. So that leaves long-term care insurance. And I don't know if you've seen any of the articles, Rob, but this stuff's gotten very expensive lately.
1: Yeah, it seems to be the, the insurance, com- insurance companies are smart. They want to protect their profits. They don't want to pay out tons of money, so they're making it a little bit tougher. And you know what I've run into with long-term care is that my mom even has long-term care. She doesn't know that she has long-term care. She can't read the contracts that she has long-term care. Mm-hmm. So it turns yeah. into it turns into an issue that the children really need to know.
2: Yeah, it is, and that's why um, a good long-term care insurance agent will ask you about that. So that even you know who gets the premium notices, so that you continue to pay if you get older and you forget. Um, it's good to have those family meetings, those state planning meetings, where you're dealing with wills, trusts, healthcare directives, things like what happens if you need extended care. But, but long-term care insurance, I mean, rates have been going up for people. Um, there used to be a way you could get spousal discounts if both people bought at the same time. That's gone away, and women are now. Later, I was looking at a quote from an insurance agent. And I don't sell the stuff, but I we go through financial plans and, and let people know whether or not they need it. What, and what they should do about it. And I was looking at a quote from an agent where women are now rated more than men. So at 65, I think the, uh, the male's premium for like a three or a four year plan was 3000 bucks a year. The females is around 4,000 bucks a year because the issue is that females are going into nursing homes and staying longer where men go in for a shorter period of time and pass away. That's, that's the the statistics right now. So you should still definitely look at it. I mean, if you're 55 years old and you're maximum out your 401k, your Roth IRAs, you've got a lot of money saved, and your advisor that does not sell the insurance says, okay, you probably need it, so go ahead and buy it if you're on track for retirement, if you've got some extra cash flow, um, if you've started saving early. If you're way behind the curve, you may not be able to afford it, so keep saving, 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 and look at it again when you're like 60, 65 years old. If you have a lot of family health issues, like a lot of dementia and Alzheimer's. You know, look when you're younger as well, and then also have a plan B. I mean, if if you can't afford the insurance, what's your plan B? Moving out of state, selling the house, reverse mortgage. This is a very important thing because it's not just the person that goes into the nursing home and needs the care; it's the spouse that's at home, that's healthy. They're at home healthy and potentially broke because of the situation. So. And this is the budgetary issues that are really affecting the United States. It's, it's the Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security issue.
1: We're almost out of time. Is there anything else you want to add to this topic? We've got about 30 seconds.
2: If you've bought it, be aware that your rates will eventually go up. Um, unless you did a 10-pay program where it's all paid up and you're done, your rates will likely go up because companies had mispriced this 10, 15 years ago. So they are going to increase rates if you haven't already seen one.
1: CFP Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. He and I do seminars. I do seminars. Um, Yeah, that's correct grammar. He and I do seminars uh, on a regular basis. You can find out more about the seminars and get downloadables and articles at his website, newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Now, I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. You can find me at the podcast, The Show, at kdow.biz. It's kdow.biz. I do the morning show Mondays through Fridays, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on KDOW. Business Radio. Find
0: And I see myself reflect on you I know what I was
2: meant to do
1: Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money invested in more. Headlines out there are pretty dramatic at times but also kind of they should always teach us how the art of living. An Illinois woman has been arrested after posting a series of photos of herself to Facebook that showed her wearing a wedding dress or wearing a dress that she allegedly had stolen from a clothing boutique. Um, she was caught after the manager of Morty's Clothing Boutique reviewed surveillance footage of a woman allegedly shoplifting a colorful leopard print dress off the racks. That's when store owner Kurt Williams took to social media, posting a Facebook message asking people to keep an eye out for anyone who may upload a photo of themselves in a colorful in that colorful dress. Someone did. Someone, uh, the woman who stole it, you know, put on Facebook, "Love my new dress." Um, fascinating, right? So tracking down shoplifters with social media, it just goes to show you how dumb, how bad of a position people put themselves in on a regular basis. Netflix had some monster earnings last night, um, and they're going to expand internationally probably pretty aggressively is the thought. Today, Apple's going to report earnings. They've put in an order for a really large amount of phones for the next quarter. So the question is, will that be enough? Like, will they have a bad quarter on iPads? Last year, this time they had a bad quarter where iPads were kind of eating their Mac sales. Was the takeout of that? So tonight we'll pay attention to that. I own shares of Apple. Legally have to say that on a regular basis. So Netflix down today, by the way. Great quarter, but uh, down 20 bucks today, 432. Let's take a quick look at the market numbers. We've got. The s 500 up nine, the Dow up 68, the Nasdaq up
3: 33.
1: Let's welcome in Tony Mendez. Tony and I go way back. He's someone that I trust. He's someone I've done loans with in the past. He is my lender. You can find him online at bayarealoansource.com. That's bayarealoansource.com. I am in my world of the stock market of companies and picking stocks and the economy and interest rates as tied towards borrowing costs for corporations. You, on the other hand, see things a little bit differently I don't see everything you see, and like an FHA loan. I don't even know what it is. What's it sta- what is it?
4: Federal Housing Administration. Okay. It's, it was started back in the 40s to help low-income and low-credit borrowers get into housing. It was an initiative, uh, and it's still around. It, it's now slowly becoming or fast becoming the new subprime. Subprime is gone. Those are those tricky loans, the stated income, interest-only, and NEGAM loans. FHA kind of replaced that. It's also a low down payment program. You can put as little as three and a half percent, all the way to seven hundred and twenty nine thousand dollars loan here in the Bay Area. So it's a tool that people use when they have um, a lower a lower income, lower credit scores, and lower down payment. It's not always the best tool to get into real estate, especially if the market's going to be flat or you think your job might go away sometime soon or you might decrease income or lose some income from a family member if they get you know have a child for example um but there are some advantages to it you, know, you can get gift money from okay. um, a couple other places you can have non-occupant co- uh, co-borrowers meaning you can have your parents help you co-sign
1: let's do the first one first gift money what is gift money
4: and how does it tie to an fha loan and why is that a good thing um, gift money is gift from a family member, for right. example. And you can do that in most cases with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, your regular conventional loans, but all of the gift can come from your family as opposed to having to put in a five or 10% in the Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Um, gifts are, are, are a good thing. I, I think, and it's a way that, you know, families help each other out. Um, but it's, it's still my goal that no matter what, I do on a real estate transaction. I always try to get 20% because the extra down payment that you put in is going to get rid of that mortgage insurance. And it's all about the rate of return. With FHA has a high mortgage insurance, and this is the the con to FHA is not the con, meaning it's a a scam. It's the, the pro and con is mortgage insurance for FHA has gone up year over year over year since 2006. It's over one and a quarter right now on a monthly basis, and that's planning on going up again. And... They're about to change the rule about keeping your mortgage insurance for five years and then being able to eliminate it once you hit 78%. It's called now life mortgage insurance, life of the loan mortgage insurance. So it's becoming a lot more expensive. Do you have to use FHA? It has regained popularity recently, but it's, it's probably going to go away. FHA has been having some trouble keeping their balance sheet straight.
1: Okay. Now, let's talk a little bit FHA. That's a product. I don't know it. I trust that people like you know all the products out there. Um, You one time showed me something called Loan Sifter that you punch in someone's name, address, income, and it basically starts telling you, you know, who will own this person how much money. Uh, Do I need to know about FHA, or do I just need a good lender who knows about all the programs out there? If
4: if you're in a product, uh, buying a house or refinancing, your loan amount is conforming, meaning it conforms to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, and you have at least... 10% 10% equity, you don't need an FHA loan. You can, you'll can, you still get a mortgage insurance, but it'll be a lot less lowering, but your rate might be a little higher, but your mortgage insurance will drop off at a certain point as opposed to FHA. Um, I think if you were to do normal payments on a 3.5% down, you're looking at over 7-8 years of keeping mortgage insurance as opposed to somebody who gets bonuses. Let's say you get a, uh, you're looking at the difference between FHA and a conventional and you have 10% down. Should you use FHA or should you use a conventional I'd use conventional if you had a way to get that loan balance below 80% of the original appraised value because your MI will drop off. FHA, you have to keep it a minimum of five years. The new proposal will make you keep it for the life of the loan.
1: Yeah. Like, I said, like I said, when we started this segment, there's some things that I don't know. I'm actually kind of glad I don't know all those thoughts on FHA. You know, I get the low down payment. I get the, the rate, same as a conventional, but it's too much for me to retain.
4: I'll give you a reason why you'd want to use FHA. If your credit score was six hundred and forty, you yeah. are going to have a much higher rate if you use a conventional. But FHA has a flat, a flat rate for whether you have a six hundred and forty or an eight hundred score. So that's another reason to use FHA. Got it. That's Tony Mendez
1: with Source dot com. If you are shopping for a home, you are going to need to shop for a loan. Contact him at BayAreaLoanSource dot com. And I am Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Real Madrid buys World Cup star James Rodriguez. So far, they've spent $398 million on attacking players. Crazy, right? 23-year-old Colombian, transfer fees $101 million. The rich get richer. He's going to wear the number 10 shirt. He'll be the playmaker in attack behind the Ford of Ronaldo, Bale, and Benzema. Four players alone has cost the company or the club $400 million in transfer fees. If you're going to be exact it's 398 million for comparison the highest spending league in the world the english premier league spent about 60 million total on transfers in 2013-2014 it's ridiculous so ronaldo came from manchester united for 127 million benzema came from leon for 47 million bale came from Tottenham for 123 million. Ooh. There's some serious money in soccer. I know football's getting ready to fire up, and a lot of American men are excited by that, but the club money? Holy mackerel. Take a break here. Coming up, we got the one, the only briefing.com. Coming up, Patrick O'Hare talking market strategy. I'm Rob Black. It's earning season, which is time that I kind of thrive, but I also kind of burn out in. So it's a rough two weeks on me, even though it's kind of a three-week period. Uh, It's ramping up hardcore right now. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I I share your uh, burnt-out sentiment. (laughs) I can relate. It's kind of wonderful, and I try to explain it as, like, I get the the Super Bowl playoffs every 12 weeks, you know, every 90 days. But it's at the end of it, you're, you're tired and you're mentally processed, you know, food costs. You've been thinking about, you know, average retail sales our poos, and you're just getting, you know, pounded with valuations and future ideas and future revenues. But um, we get through it. It's, it's the Super Bowl, but it's an exhausting Super Bowl. Well,
3: that's right, at least uh, for us market commentators it certainly gives us something to talk about uh there are those periods during the summer where it's just kind of a real lull so you kind of do welcome the arrival of a earnings reporting period because um notwithstanding the fact that it just gives you a lot of headlines it does provide some important uh fundamental information uh that relates to the stock market outlook so uh not to be uh overlooked by any means
1: with that said um do we put too much value on it in financial media? I know you're not financial media, but I am, but the CNBCs, the Rob Blacks of the world, do we put too much emphasis on Netflix, uh, a good quarter, bad quarter, like a report card, when sometimes it's really, like you say, it's about the big picture?
3: Yeah, you know, I do think there is a tendency to to overplay some of these, these companies. Uh, they're obviously exciting stories. They're exciting stocks to trade. Um, and I guess the the one beef I have probably is, you know, when you hear financial media report on the earnings reporting period, it does boil down in large part to kind of what the stock did or the company did relative to the expectations. And there's not as much of a drill down um, in this real-time look at things into, you know, the actual uh, uh report itself, and that whether the company actually grew its uh, earnings year over year it's more a case of did this company beat what the analysts were expecting it to beat and then and then that's the emphasis you know the stock trades up or down it seems um, uh, in relation to just that that headline number on the uh, earnings and sales but you know so The earnings reporting period, as mentioned before to you, is is euphemistically referred to as the silly season. Um, You do get some really silly responses to some earnings results just simply because, you know, a stock might have estimates, It just means it didn't do as poorly as a lot of people thought it might. Um, And you get some stocks that just, you know, blow it out. Um, we're seeing it today with Chipotle Mexican. They had a great report. Uh, the stock is up strongly, and uh, and understandably so. I mean, they're showing some really good fundamental strength, but the question becomes is, you know, is that stock, you know, you know, overvalued? But in the context of the current environment, putting up the numbers it's putting up is enough to keep the momentum uh, going within that stock, and so you're seeing a nice re- response as a result.
1: Okay, Chipotle, obviously, is a play on people younger than you and I. Um, It's casual, fast food. Um, They seem to be getting faster, while McDonald's seems to be getting slower. They seem to have the message that millennials like, you know, organic, uh, locally sourced, sustainable. McDonald's has nasty meat problems in Asia. Um, McDonald's came out with numbers this morning. Would you ever – how would you – I'm not going to say – I'll let you handle – Question to yourself, but something along the lines of McDonald's versus Chipotle, old versus new, big versus growing, um, or value versus growth. McDonald's numbers are not so good today.
3: They were not, uh, and the thing with McDonald's, you know, we think is that it essentially has become a, a victim of its own success in in two regards. One, it's it's done it had done so well for so long that it has created some tough comparisons for itself. And two, because it has done so well for so long, it has invited increased competition uh, on the part of uh, you know the quick casual competitors in its space, the Burger Kings, the wendy's jack in the box you know they're all working to uh, to revamp a, a value menu to introduce new product offerings and to basically uh, try to you know undercut each other on price uh, and value and and it does uh you know create some headwinds for for a, a high-profile, widely held name like McDonald's. Um, and it's certainly when you pit the results from McDonald's this morning against those of Chipotle Mexican, it does kind of raise that distinction of, you know, a you know, value stock versus growth stock. And uh, and right now, with the low interest rate environment that we're in, uh, with the expectations for growth to continue to pick up, uh, you know, the... Um, uh, the, the positive response has certainly been reserved for Chipotle Mexican because it's put up some really good, really good numbers.
1: Do you buy into? I think Peter Lynch once said something along the lines of, I talk to my kids, see what they like, see where they're shopping, see where they're eating. Do you, do you buy into that 18 to 25 year old consumer or even 18 to 35 year old consumer? Is an investment trend worth potentially putting money into, like a Chipotle? Yeah.
3: Um, well, you know I was going to say there you know there's there's some conflicting signals in that respect right you know because in the mainstream media what you hear about about the millennials is that they don't have any money right you know they're not getting good paying jobs and yet they'll go out and they'll spend you know 12 dollars for a burrito and a and a coke and a side of guacamole at you know Chipotle <laughs> instead of going to you know McDonald's and maybe paying a dollar for a cheeseburger right um right. Obviously, there's some, you know, cultural uh, distinctions there, Uh, as you mentioned earlier, is that there's this cultural shift to more organic food to, you know, more quality offerings. But that's the remarkable thing to me, I think, is, you know, you see uh, results from, like we saw out of Chipotle. It does show that um, uh, they they clearly have um, brand appeal uh, in that, you know, I think people across all generations, I mean, I go to Chipotle still, okay. uh, they have really good food, you know, uh, for what it is. And um, uh, But it, it, people are obviously willing to pay up for that quality, and uh, and they continue to deliver and execute, you know, very well. And so it has translated not only into – a good operational result, but a very nice uh, return on on the stock investment. So, uh, but it is interesting to me that, you know, with all of this broader commentary about how there isn't any real spending power out there, that these restaurants uh, in general seem to continue to do, uh, you know, quite well uh, as far as attracting uh, consumers and and growing their sales. So,
1: Taking a look at your page one from briefing.com, you basically cover a lot of information pretty fast. Uh, Chipotle, Tech Instruments, Verizon, United Tech, Coca-Cola, Comcast, Lockheed. And you basically said they beat earnings expectations, Netflix and DuPont in line. Um, How is earnings season going in your mindset? Is this enough to power the market or too soon to make that call?
3: Well, I think the earnings season is going very well. Um, According to S&P Capital IQ, uh, second quarter, uh, earnings are expected to grow about 6.9%. Uh, that's a little bit higher than uh, than what was projected at the, at the beginning of the month. Um, you're seeing revenue growth come in at about 4%. Not not spectacular, but certainly not bad. Um, and what we've got going on here is that you have you know a, a body of earnings reports uh, that are supportive. Overall, Uh, but the thing that you know I pointed out in an earnings preview prior to the reporting period taking place was that you had a number of these stocks uh, that had already run up ahead of these reports. And it would, and I said then it wouldn't surprise us if the market didn't necessarily take off on these earnings results because so much of the good news has already been priced in. And I I basically took that all the way back though, really, to how the market was doing in 2013 when you had 30% price growth on. Uh, earnings growth of about 5%, earnings per share growth of about 8%. And here you come in through the first half of 2014 and you have the market up 7%. uh, So you have priced in a significant amount of good news. So I think what the message here is is that the earnings results are good enough here to prevent, you know, a major sell-off, but perhaps not strong enough just yet to kind of launch you into that uh, that next leg higher based solely on the earnings information. So I have to continue to wait and see how the, the third quarter and the fourth quarter play out in that respect. But all in all, I'm pretty pleased with what I'm seeing so far.
1: Anything that you want to tip in, any last pit nuggets of information? I've kind of focused this all on earnings, and I kind of want to give you a minute to talk anything you want
3: yeah you know i think I think you're right to to focus there Rob I mean that is we we tend to get away from that idea obviously the the fixation on the Federal Reserve's monetary policy and how that has provided an artificial support structure for for the stock market. but really at the end of the day it's always going to come back to fundamentals and the, the main fundamental there is is earnings uh, and earnings growth um, principally. And so you have to be focused on that throughout this week, obviously, but uh, it, it's going to be a key element here that's going to help determine whether the stock market can continue to do well as the Federal Reserve does try to extricate itself from its uh, very accommodative policy.
1: Thanks very much, Patrick. Get back to work. Always appreciate your insights. Always spot on. Briefing.com excellent resource for investors of all shapes and sizes, whether you're a trader, whether you're a short-term investor, long-term investor, whether you're retired, a lot of information can be gathered in cold that will, you know, give you the insights into the markets that you need uh, to feel educated. Briefing.com provides independent live market analysis of the United States International Equity Markets. You can find them at briefing.com. It's briefing.com. We've got a Twitter handle, which is briefing.com, no dot because it doesn't work well briefing com is their Twitter handle. Patrick O'Hare, thanks very much, it's Chief Market Analyst. One of the things that I do is I read the Wall Street Journal. I read the Financial Times. I read Business Week. I'll look at the Chicago Sun. I'll look at the LA Times. I'll look at the New York Times business sections. On occasion, I'll skip over to the Washington Post, but not rarely, not usually. Um, So I'm always doing what I can to educate myself as much as I can. Um, On top of that, during earnings season, I read transcripts. Um, I go through a lot of standard poor reports. I'm constantly feeding information and research. It gets exhausting, it gets tiring, but it's incredibly helpful. I try to talk to the right people. So as you know, I share Dr. Jeff Rosen from briefing.com with you and Patrick O'Hare as well and they give me really solid insights. Um, And I use their services and I have no problem sharing that with you. You see a lot of what I see. So I heard something kind of interesting yesterday on the radio. I heard someone say, I invest my money right alongside of yours. So if I buy something for you, I buy it for me. I was like, that's ridiculous. That guy is a 70-year-old guy. Why would a 70-year-old man be buying the same thing that a 40-year-old man is buying or a 30-year-old woman? It doesn't make any sense at all. So I don't know. Some people have this slick marketing (laughs) that they try to spin on you. And I don't get it. Why would someone who's rich buy something that's similar to someone who's accumulating wealth? makes no sense. So one headline I uh, saw out there recently, and it was, you know, tied towards HIV, and it is tied towards the drug Truvada. And it basically said HIV pill shows more promise to prevent infection. It was a study that involved 1,600 gay men and transgender women who took part in the original study. And it did lower their risk of getting HIV, but it still doesn't help if you have risky sex and if you skip some doses. Um, It's encouraging. That's called a headline. And you run the risk as an investor of making a massive mistake if you confuse headlines with investments. Or inflation reports, or stock reports. You know, companies developing a cure for the cancer, and you're like, ooh. Inside that article, it says, you know, this company is doing a great job, and so far in test one, it, it was pretty effective. Test two, we're going to get you know study money and start that up pretty soon. And like phase three phases of of drug studies. The first one is you know, like a mathematical model. The second one involves animals. Third one involves humans. It ain't really worth getting excited about until, you know, a phase three trial, because it takes such a long time to get the drug put through those trials, and then you have to submit that data to the FDA, and they have to buy into the fact that you did your study correctly. So Truvada, the HIV drug, it's basically a form of two drugs, uh, tenofovir, and I can't pronounce the next one, Imtriptabine. Trick to and again, I. If you ever want to have a fun, fun game, it's give me two drinks and give me a list of medications to pronounce. Not very good at it. I'll get more bold with the drinks, um, and it's pretty funny. So the drug Trivata is made by Gilead Sciences. It wholesale's price is about $800 a month, but the generic versions are available in other countries, and they cost as little as 31 cents a day in Africa. How do you make it more available? So that, you know, you can cut down on infections. Uh, I don't know. It's beyond me. One of the great stories of the day, and again, I like finding these, and I hope you do as well. Airbnb. It's a pretty cool website app if, like, you're going to, oh, let's say, like Tahoe, and you don't want to do a hotel because hotels can be kind of constricting, right, and then you have to see other people. You see the hotels are running about $400 a night, $300 a night, you can jump on Airbnb and find a cabin for $300 a night that has, like, five rooms, <laughs> you're like, whoa! That's pretty awesome. So you and your sugar booger can sleep in a different room each night for five nights and it'll be like a fresh experience each and every time. Mattress probably won't be as good as hotels, but then again, the hotel doesn't have a kitchen that's slightly stocked. Um, But here's an Airbnb negative story of the day. Airbnb allows you to basically book someone else's house as a place to stay. A lot of people in in the the city do it. They're away for a week, they'll rent out their room or rent out their house or rent out their apartment. You get the idea. So a lot of hosts have come home to find their homes trashed. Um, There was a story of an inebriated guest or inebriated host using his keys to enter the property at night and hitting on a woman. Now here's the newest Airbnb story, horror story, that will shock you. A woman rented her 600 square foot Palm Springs, California condo to someone for a little over a month, and now the person won't leave, and now has um, rights. You know, when you live in a place for 30 days, you have tenant rights. So the host, the person who posted the place, she had to hire a lawyer and go through the entire eviction process. It takes three to six months. Same as if it's a person's long term tenant. It's been a nightmare. Um, you know, the person who's squatting um, or the person who bought the house that's renting it, you know, got priced out of San Francisco, so she bought a rental. Uh, down in palm springs she's been renting it out on airbnb and Flipkey, a vacation rental site owned by TripAdvisor, making enough money on it to keep, help keep makes ends meet and the person rents it for a month and now as a squatter will be there for three to six months awesome california real estate laws no anyway i'm rob black you can find me online at robblack.com anything you want to talk about we can talk about earning season Seminar coming up in probably about a month. If you want to learn about what that is and where that is, you can go to robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Drop me an email, Rob at Rob Black Show. Rob at (laughs) robblackshow.com. Thanks for listening to the show. It's earnings season. This means I'm going to lose my mind. This means I'm going to work a lot. And that's brutal. So I might, by Wednesday, Thursday, be a little delirious. Just warning you a little bit. Good earnings steadies the markets. Thursday we had Malaysian Airlines issues, Israel issues. Market got scared, went down. Friday it rallied back up. Monday, got scared, went down. Tuesday, it's rallying back up. This is the problem of trying to guess the direction that we're going to go. world is reportedly a happier place today, after separatist forces in eastern Ukraine handed over two black boxes from Malaysian, Malaysian authorities. Secretary of State Kerry started to work on brokering a ceasefire in Gaza. Yay! The notion that a cooperative attitude by the separatist forces may enable Russia to avoid further sanctions has helped underpin foreign markets. Putin's screwed right now. His uh, backing has always been basically well-funded, and the money in Russia is starting to get hit pretty hard. Not only is their stock market not rallying like the world's stocks are, but some of the business have sanctions have hurt billionaires to the tunes of hundreds of millions of their own dollars. So there's some headline fears out there for sure. Um, travelers, Altria, Kimberly-Clark, McDonald's, all positive earnings surprises, all of them problematic inside the numbers though. Chipotle, Texas Instruments, Verizon, United Tech, Coca-Cola, Comcast, Lockheed, all beat earnings expectations. Netflix in line. but. Netflix, more than that, a little bit later, also talked about uh, international expansion. Second, well, let's talk about it now. They said the second quarter earnings more than doubled. They had 1.7 million subscribers worldwide, but it cautioned that a more aggressive international expansion would hurt profits. Income rose to 71 million, not much. Streaming video and DVD by mail provider forecast that third quarter earnings would be affected by higher expenses in Europe. Predicted the contribution loss from international streaming would jump to 42 million from 15 million. So they're building a broad business and they're having some success with it. They plan to expand in six new European countries, including Germany, France, Austria. That's set for September. Then they're going to get into Finland, Latin America, um, as well. So um, they will have some competitors as Amazon is already established in Germany. So Netflix is going to have to invest in TV shows and movie rights for those international markets. It ain't going to come cheap. So the S&P 500 um, is up fractionally from where it started the month at. You cannot say it's glorious. You can't. But it's also not down a lot. So you can't say it's disastrous. S&P 500's up 12. Dow's up 72. NASDAQ's up. 38. The appeals court, a crippling blow to Obamacare, a federal appeals court today declared that government subsidies worth billions of dollars that helped 4.7 million people buy insurance are illegal. A judicial panel, a two-to-one ruling, said such subsidies can be granted only to those people who bought insurance in an Obamacare exchange run by an individual state, not on the federally run exchange healthcare.gov. and. Uh, this decision threatens to unleash a cascade of effects that could seriously compromise Obamacare's goals of compelling people to get health insurance. The ruling endorses a controversial interpretation of the Affordable Care Act that argues that the healthcare.gov subsidies are illegal because they empower a federal exchange to offer subsidized coverage. This is above me as far as the legal underpinnings, um, but this will have some ramifications. So. There's going to be companies that have um, exposure, I think is probably the easiest way of saying it, that will get hurt in this process. So we'll talk about that again as the day goes on. Um, in no way, shape, or form does it dismantle the healthcare law, but it certainly hurts the low end of the healthcare law. Um so it could free people from having to get Obamacare is the way of looking at that. Interesting, right? You can't make this stuff up. Um I don't know. like wasn't that made into law a couple of years. Like you almost get that feeling, right? Like, when is law really a law? Good question. McDonald's, people aren't loving it anymore. Um, there's been food scares. It's just they're having trouble. People are not people are opting for healthier options. They want to be perceived as eating healthier. They had negative guest traffic across the board. Um, McDonald's will, you know, despite some expectations to grow same-store sales, it posted flat global performance and a 1.5% retreat in the United States. Um, they did get a little boost of sales in the Asia Pacific, Middle East, and Africa segment, but not enough to help or offset. Um, and it's getting kind of faster deceleration. I know, is that even a word? Faster deceleration? Can I use those two together? Yeah. Um, they're dealing with a meat scandal in Asia that could dent sales in the area where it's got growth. Um, you know, expired and tainted meat, some just really nasty video, really nasty video that you do not want to see if you eat meat or if you ever go to McDonald's. Um, it would, it will shock you in a bad way, and I ain't even kidding about that. That's for real. Um, Bill Ackman. He's given a presentation where he's taken a shot at Herbalife and Herbalife shares are going higher. Um, Bill Ackman is short the stock. He's kind of made it a holy crusade. He's put billions of dollars into this of trying to expose them as a fraud, which is really crazy because in media I have to be very, very careful what I say is a fraud or is not. You can get sued very quickly. For some reason, if you own shares of a company or if you're shorting them, you can say whatever you want. So he's been loudly short Herbalife, which is a maker of nutrition shakes, which kind of encourages people to buy product and then resell the product, very similar to Avon. Most people that I've ever met that sold Avon, great
3: googly moogly. Oh,
1: great googly moogly. Uh, most people that I know that has ever sold Avon, you have to buy a lot of product, you put it in your closet or in your garage, and you try to it off to friends and family, and it doesn't go terribly well. Long story short, a lot of people end up with a lot of makeup that they'll wear for the rest of their life. Kind of the same thing with uh, Herbalife, where you're encouraged to get other people involved. Um, I don't know. It, it seems to be tied towards ethnic groups. Trying to exploit extremely poor. Um, he spent over $50 million investigating the company. To get your calls on the air, it's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. Find me online at robblack.com.
5: shadow with the center of backtrack to center
1: Apple's put in its biggest ever order for iPhones. So that's about future quarters. Tonight in, good golly, four and a half hours, they're going to report earnings. We'll see how they did. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Google announced that their chief business officer, Nikesh Aurora, uh, would be leaving the company last week. Great Google announced. CEO Larry Page said that Omid Kordestani would be taking over for Aurora for now. So Omid's back. Tweeted uh, a former Google employee. He was a beloved um, executor of the business. Um, interesting to see. So you know, success or failure starts and fails at the top. Um, it's a huge win for Google to get him back focused on the business. He's an aspiring, inspiring, people-driven, culture-aware leader. He hired, created the culture at Google, which created a lot of the magic. So he's coming back into the fold. Will that help the stock end or not? Anyhow, the um, Obamacare ruling that's so negative, it's going to get appealed, just so you know. Like, ugh, nothing is ever over. SP500's up 11, the Dow's up 75, the NASDAQ up 36. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, how are you? Great. Our thing's do new focus. Excellent. I love the the canned answer. So Great, excellent, Absolutely. All those good terms. Yes. Um what do you want to talk about this segment? Um I was re- reading an
5: article at I think it's like I don't know. Oh, Kiplinger's, which is my favorite financial publication out okay. there for people to read. Um, I want you know, if you look at studies that on a lot of these fun magazines that are out there like Money or whatever, it's when when you go back and look at the articles they have in January, the top 10 mutual funds to own now and then in, you know two quarters later they have the top 100 funds for the year those funds never appear on the same lists it's okay. like you're just it just never seems to work out but kiplingers always has pretty good financial articles this one's okay it's kind of uh you know what people what wealthy people are worried about uh people that have a lot of money or a lot of net worth and one of the issues that they're worried about is how are they compared to other people and it's really Wealth is relative to your expenses. Oh, yeah. Um, I was saying the other night in one of the events that we were doing, I uh, was talking about long-term care insurance and how important it is to look at, but at the same time, it's become very expensive. Last year, in 2013, uh, rates jumped drastically. Females often pay more than males because they tend to be in the nursing home. There's no more spousal discounts, and lifetime plans have gone away, where if you go in with Alzheimer's for 15 years, you might get you a know, long-term care insurance plan that covers you for six. Yeah. Um, but not lifetime anymore. And rates have jumped. People that have had policies have seen rate increases as high as 80%. So if you've bought long-term care insurance, it's probably going to go up in cost. And, and I always say start shopping, looking at it, 55. If you're 55 and you're you know, saved enough for retirement and your financial advisor that's you know, fee-based yeah, has said, yeah, you're, he or she has said, yep, you're on track. You're saving enough. The sad
1: part about that is long-term care is such a sad issue. I don't think people want to buy it because they don't want to ever be in that position.
5: You know, the way you get around that is that nobody wants to go into a nursing home, right? Of course Sounds not. awful. Right. These policies pay for people to come to your house to take care of you. So that's one thing to focus on.
1: Yeah, but again, I think the barrier that I would have is I don't want to picture myself in that position. It's like one of the reasons people don't get life insurance. They don't see themselves dying. Yeah. Um, so i got to imagine long-term care is a really tough sell because it's its not cheap, and it's it's, I mean, it's for a worst case scenario that you hope never happens.
5: Yeah, I, I don't sell it, and I know people that do, and I know people that have exited the business in the last year because number one, it was already a hard sell, right? Because it's insurance, and insurance is tough because it it's expensive, and you don't get any money back. Yeah. And now there's these hybrid life insurance policies, which are better than doing nothing. It's better than leaving cash in a one percent CD. So you got a lot of money sitting on the sidelines. It's kind of your safe money for if you go into a nursing home. There's these policies where you can use some of the death benefit to fund long-term care. Yeah. But if you pass away, your spouse or your kids or whatever, you get the, get the life insurance. And
1: it's not a great rate of return on your money. It's a little better than CDs. What do you think about a scenario where, like, um, I've got a, uh, someone that I know that got offered life insurance at age, like, 72. hmm company was willing to buy life insurance on him. All he had to do was sign the paperwork. What do you think about those type of scenarios? um usually
5: they're i mean most of the time you see those it's for burial insurance and things like that and what they're betting on is that so even even over the bubbles a balanced portfolio's average or the, you know the the big drops that we've seen in the last several decades balanced portfolios have averaged about 6% which means if you take the rule of 72 if you divide 72 by what rate of return you have that's how many years it takes to double it's rule of 72 is pretty cool okay and so they're betting that okay it's they're going to have you paying about $5,000 for a $10,000 death benefit. And they know that they're going to be able to kind of double that money before you die. <laughs> so, um, that's usually what the no brainer the no underwriting type of programs are usually for things like burial insurance. If you don't have to do a lot of underwriting, go through a physical, get on a treadmill, check your heart rate. It's probably not a very good deal. Okay. Um, the only time people, older people at that age need life insurance is for two reasons. Number one, if you have a pension that's going to go away at your death okay. and you're trying to protect your spouse, you might need some life insurance. And term insurance doesn't work when you're over 70. Just, just, it doesn't. It's so expensive, it's ridiculous. Right. Or if you're over 70 and let's say you're a very wealthy business owner, you've yep. got an estate that's, if you're single over 5 million or married over 10, yep. and if you die, there's going to be an estate tax due of 40% plus over that value and there's no liquidity. You're worth a lot of money, but it's all in your business. So your business rich, your cash flow's fine, but your liquid asset poor. And if your kids have to be able to pay that estate tax when you die, what are they going to do? They're going to have to sell the business or sell business assets or drastically leverage it. So what people do is they set up an irrevocable life insurance trust. That trust buys life insurance on that person. You create a tax-free amount for your heirs in order to pay the estate taxes. So that's the, those are the reasons. Or charitable remainder trust is another one which we can talk about next
1: segment. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. McDonald's. <laughs> they didn't say anything great and they didn't predict anything great. Great. Um, one of the more interesting things that you learn while studying these companies is that Their focus right now is updating Ronald McDonald, the creepy clown. Um, The Grimace, tell me, is there nothing more creepy than a big purple thing that we don't know what it is? Like he's not a prune, is he? They're updating their Happy Meals. They're emphasizing breakfast and coffee offerings. Hmm, doesn't sound like they got the product people want or the speed. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. We'll take a break here, but we'll be right back. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money invested in more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Hopefully, I do a good job on that level for you. Um, Chipotle, their business is on fire. They just seem to be doing things better than other fast food companies. They're sticking with its classic menu, while companies like McDonald's and Taco Bell um, are trying to change their menu. So, Chipotle is stuck with the same menu since it opened. The menu at McDonald's has grown 70% since 2007. Chipotle does very few things well, but they do them well, and they execute, and they reduce customer wait times by not giving them too many options. Chipotle has aggressively worked to reduce wait times. They made the lines faster. McDonald's is struggling with the longest drive-through wait times in decades. Competitor Panera Bread has dealt with customer service issues and is starting to replace workers with kiosks. Overloaded menus make it difficult for our operations to run smoothly. And finally, the thing that they're doing better than everyone else is they, they've got the ethical menu. Chipotle is eliminating GMOs from its menu and has long boasted that about its antibiotic-free meats. As a result, people feel better about eating at Chipotle and sharing that experience via social media, which is a positive experience. Um, again, it's interesting the way Wall Street works. I'm just here to talk about it. And... Uh, We'll leave it at that 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. You can always email me, rob at robblackshow.com. I have a Twitter account um, also tied towards Rob Black Show. I've got a YouTube account tied towards Rob Black Show. So um, join in. It's one area where you can you know follow me and that actually helps it's nice to see um, followers jump in whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or anything along those lines um, don't be shy 800-516-1220 teacher calls in the air Tesla is going to shut down their factory in Fremont for a couple of weeks they're bringing in the robots um, they're reconfiguring the pr- production floor um, so no production for two weeks. They've kind of let people know that it's a hundred million dollar upgrade. It's going to add 25 robots and modify the factory's body and general assembly lines. It's a big investment. It's going to help them next year make a sport utility vehicle um, at that same factory. Tesla's based in Palo Alto. They charge about $71,000 for its model S the automaker is producing almost 700 units per week at the end of the first quarter with a goal of increasing that to a thousand later this year. So um, trying as fast as they can to build the cars, especially since the competition doesn't have comparable product. Um, just throwing that out there for you. Other stories of note today, Apple's placing a big order of 70 to 80 million iPhones produced by the end of the year. That's a big bet. Existing home sales jumped for the third straight month, fastest pace in eight months, and again, it, It's tied towards the second half of 2013. Things kind of stalled in the housing market. So they're back. Mobile ad spending is leaping. Outlays are expected to jump 83% this year but remain relatively small compared to the number of devices that are out there as well as the time on the devices. Yesterday we learned the average American spends about 2.7 hours a day on their phone uh, or their device. That's a lot of time. And that's more time than you're spending on TV probably. After less than a decade of existence, smartphones and tablets will draw more money from advertisers than centuries-old newspaper industry, or the nearly century-old radio sector, sign up for just how rapidly things are changing online and how fast. Taco Bell's in a rut. They had a huge hit with the Doritos Locos Taco, ground beef cheese sour cream, lettuce encased in a cheesy shell. It was its best-selling item of all time, but subsequent new products not working as well. The Spicy Chicken Doritos Locos Taco failed to impress. Um, Their burrito bowls and steak tacos are new. Taco Bell tries to introduce 8 to 10 new items a year. And again, we're seeing with some companies that doesn't help. Now, for Taco Bell, they're not as bad as McDonald's and Burger King in declining sales. Shakira, Shakira, Shakira. Colombian singer-songwriter. She broke a record this week. She became the first person in the world to garner 100 million fans on Facebook. I've got something like 1,500 (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to catch her. Not. So uh, she sang at the end of the World Cup, blah, 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 blah. Robert Downey Jr. Whew, holy mackerel. He made $75 million last year, and he didn't even have a new film out. So the year before he did. But it was the staying power of Iron Man 3 and his back end deal that earned him $75 million. It's a mass of the movie at $1.2 Billion, so his back end deal has been pretty good for him. Um, Chris Hemsworth, he had a surprisingly good year, pulling in 37 million. Bradley Cooper pulled in 46 million. What's interesting about Bradley Cooper is um, one movie sucked, it just stank, it was horrible, it was awful. The Hangover Part Three, and the other one was wonderfully, refreshingly sweet, American Hustle. He's going to be in a new Marvel Universe uh, movie, Guardians of the Galaxy. So he'll have a good year next year as well. Uh, Liam Neeson's on the list, 36 million. Ben Affleck, 35 million. Christian Bale, 35 million. So you get the idea. Good times. Good times. No? Uh, You can find me online at robblack.com. You can email me, Rob, at robblackshow. Comcast had a good quarter because they added internet subscribers, Comcast had a bad quarter um in the number of you know cord cutters are kind of picking up steam so their uh internet doing great cord cutting st- preventing the business from bleeding struggling amazon uh you know for instance they added about 200,000 subscribers uh internet subscribers uh, netflix added oh good golly 1.2 million I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at RobBlack.com. Email me, Rob at RobBlackShow.com.
0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.